you know, from the time of conception, um, and your mom will confirm this just so you know, from the time of conception, you're trying to tell your mom that you know better than she does. She eats something that you don't like, you make her sick to her stomach. You don't like the way she's sitting, you step on her bladder until she moves. And this doesn't go away. Little kids, it continues. Why do I have to wash my hands? Why do I have to wear shoes in the snow? Why do I have to brush my teeth? Why can't I walk on the roof? Why can't I eat candy for breakfast? These are all questions that most of us parents have actually had to address at one point or time in another. Because your kids think they know better than you. Teenagers and young adults, well, sadly, Netflix tells your kids they know better than you. And so you're just a Neanderthal parent. But this actually continues well into adulthood. Uh, you are overly confident in your sleep training methodologies, your parental discipline philosophy, your parenting style, even though you don't have kids, right? And so well into our adult years, we think we have it all figured out. And I think that in your late 20s or early 30s, you hit a crossroads where you realize that you are not actually as bright as you thought you were. And you have to either walk forward in ignorance or embrace the fact that you actually have some things to learn. So teachability is a super important topic. And actually, there's dozens of verses that we could have highlighted from the book of Proverbs. But I've just selected a handful from chapter 15. And what I really want to wrestle with today is this, are these questions. Am I teachable? Not just me. Like, I know you guys are like, he's not. But, but <laughs> are you teachable? No, are we teachable? Am I teachable? If I'm not teachable, what is the risk of not being teachable? Why am I not teachable? What do I gain if I am teachable? And how do I grow in this? And this is from Proverbs 15. And from there, we really want to wrestle, and we're not going to be able to wrestle with it today, because this isn't what does Bill have to tell you. This is what is the Spirit saying. And the question that I want you to wrestle with this week, and so write this down if you were taking notes or if you got your phone on you or something like that. What are we actually learning from 2020? What are we actually learning as a, as a, as a person? What are you learning about God? What are you learning about yourself? What are we learning as a local church? What are we learning as a church in America? What are we learning from the Spirit in 2020? Because it, as an outsider looking at the rest of the nation or an insider looking at the rest of the nation, I see everybody clamoring to go back to normal. But what have you learned? What have you learned from the last, what is it, nine months now? What is God trying to teach his church? Are we teachable as his people? Have we learned anything? First um, Chronicles 12.32 says that the sons of Issachar were men who had understanding of the times, and because of that, they knew what they ought to do. In other words, they were teachable and discerning. Are we? And so I'm going to read a proverb, and then I'm going to break a proverb down. Proverbs 15.5. Proverbs 15.5, our first proverb, a fool despises his father's instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is prudent. A fool despises his father's instruction, but whoever heeds reproof 
is prudent. First of all, let's define some of these terms because chances are you don't use them in your daily life, okay? Reproof. What is reproof? Reproof is an expression of blame or disapproval, all right? So a fool despises his father's instruction, but whoever heeds or listens to an expression of blame or disapproval is prudent. So what's an example of reproof? You shouldn't have punched your brother. That was wrong. That's a reproof, okay? Prudent. What does it mean to be prudent? Prudent is defined as acting with or showing care for what's going to happen in the future. So prudence has to do with behavior that is in line with an understanding of what will happen in the future. So Example, it was a prudent and wise decision to apologize after punching your brother instead of punching me as well, okay? That's prudent. You thought about the future and realized if you punched your parent, it wasn't going to be a good idea. So reproof, expression of disapproval or blame, prudence, acting with forethought. And despise means feeling contempt for something, or repugnance. And I'm pretty sure repugnance means when you make a face like a pug because you're upset. I think. <laughs> pretty sure that's what it means. Somebody can confirm. So what is he saying? He's saying when someone corrects you, do you receive it? When someone expresses blame or disapproval, do you get defensive? Do you immediately try to justify your actions? What is your immediate response? You see, because the fool, does not, the fool does not like it when people tell him that he's doing something wrong. A matter of fact, the fool despises it. He has repugnance in his heart towards it. And why does he have repugnance in his heart? Why does he despise it? Because it is a direct attack on his ego. And he thinks he's right. And so the fool, when someone comes to the fool and says, you should not have done that, the fool, rather than listening, immediately gets defensive. But the prudent one, and this is important, the prudent one always turns his critics into coaches because he wants to grow and mature. Even if 95% of what the person said is flat out false, the wise person will take that 5% and filter it because he realizes that even poorly delivered, uninvited feedback may have a nugget of truth to receive. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So in other words, the fool simply throws someone's comments away because he doesn't like the way they were given or he doesn't like what they said. But the wise prudent person knows and learns how to filter it rather than just exploding and reacting emotionally. The point is this, to not be teachable is a fool. It shows a complete disregard for the future. And so my question is this, as churches in America, are we fools or are we wise? As Christians in America, are we fools or as, are we wise? Because as I look around during 2020 at churches in the United States of America, and by the way, it's, like, it's not like you can just point at how people are reacting because there's a whole big spectrum, right? 
to the year. I feel as though, and I fear that, we are responding to 2020 with a complete disregard for the future. And instead are looking to the past and hoping we can return to it. So the question is, is that teachable? Are we learning anything or are we just covering our ears and burying our head in a blanket until all of this, quote, goes away? Proverbs 15.10. There is severe discipline for him who forsakes the way. Whoever hates reproof will die. There's severe discipline for him who forsakes the way. Whoever hates reproof will die. The point is this. The cost of a lack of teachability is very high. The cost of a lack of teachability is very high. Proverbs 14, 12 says it this way. There is a, a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Kids, I'm talking to kids now because we have a family integrated service. So children, parents, elbow your kids. Well, you don't have to actually elbow them. A good parent disciplines you when you walk off the path that they have set. What I mean by that is that your family has rules and expectations, and when those rules are broken, there are consequences. In other words, if you sneak out of your bedroom window, your parents will be less apt to trust you. They will probably ground you. They will put you on a leash. And the more you disobey, the tighter the leash gets. There's relational consequences for our actions. Your parents don't trust you. They think you're sneaky. There's real-world consequences for your actions. You get in trouble. You lose privileges. You don't have a phone, whatever it may be. The point is that your lack of teachability leads to a high cost. When you forsake the path of obedience, when you forsake the path of wisdom, you reap consequences. You always reap consequences. So the point is this. If you hate being corrected, if you don't know how to apologize, if you don't know how to repent well, then you will most likely live a miserable life where you think you know the best path all the time. Let me say that again. If you don't like being corrected, if you don't know how to say you're sorry, if you don't know how to repent well, if you don't know how to learn from critique, then you will most likely live a miserable, arrogant life as you convince yourself that you are always right until your spouse comes to the point of almost despising you because you always win. That's what comes from a lack of teachability. For Solomon to say that it costs death, whoever hates reproof will die, seems intense, but just think about the Pharaoh. If you look at the book of Exodus with the Pharaoh, and there's 10 plagues, and the first however many plagues, it says, and Pharaoh hardened his heart, and Pharaoh hardened his heart, and Pharaoh hardened his heart. And then eventually, I think maybe the last two or three times, do you know what it starts saying instead? And God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And God, in other words, there comes a point of no return. 
If you refuse to be instructed, if you refuse to be teachable, there comes to a point where you become so blinded by your arrogance that God, like I said before, that you have that rowboat going down the rushing river and it's tied to the dock and God just cuts the rope and he says, have at it. Is that what you want? Have at it. Thy will be done. That point does come. See, when we ignore correction... From the small, then we ignore correction from the big. We reap consequence in the small and in the big. Back to churches in the United States of America. There is a way that seems right, but in the end it leads to death. It leads to death of your organization. It leads to death of your institution. It leads to the spiritual death of your congregation, as we see in so many mainline Protestant churches as they abandon the word of God. It seemed like a good idea at the time to become more culturally relevant, to unhitch parts of the Bible that we didn't like. And now, as we lie in a bed that we have made, we find ourselves somehow shocked. The cost is high. What we love as Christians in America, because it's not a universal thing, what we love as Christians in America and what the vast majority of churches in America are doing is not working. But we refuse to learn because we like the way that it was. And so we don't want to learn Will we learn or will we despise correction and die? Proverbs 15, 12, a scoffer does not like to be reproved. He will not go to the wise. Wisdom is defined as the application of knowledge. That's what wisdom is. Simple definition, it's knowledge applied. Knowledge is something you know. Wisdom is applying that knowledge in a way so that you can actually utilize it in your day-to-day life. So someone who is financially wise knows how to apply what they have learned about money to make more money. In other words, they're not an armchair athlete, okay? They're not someone who just has read a bunch of blogs and then has terrible finances. They actually know how to apply what they have learned. And wisdom is needed in every area of life if you are to have a skillful life. And so the point of this proverb, 1512, is the question, do you want to be wise? Do you want to have sage wisdom and counsel from trusted people so that you can stand on their shoulders rather than reinventing the wheel and learning the hard way? Because someone who doesn't like to be corrected will never ask for advice. Someone who thinks they know the right way will never ask other people for help because they think they have it all figured out. Instead, they will be defensive and they will lash out, like he says here, they will lash out with scoffing and ridicule like a fool. The point is this. If you aren't teachable, you will never learn to be wise because you won't ask anyone for advice. And when someone offers it, you will make fun of them instead of listening to them. 
There's a little story in 1 Kings, which makes this even more ironic, of Solomon's son, who's the successor to the uh, throne. When King Solomon, who wrote Proverbs, dies, and his son is on the, uh, is, he's, got the, he's got the crown now, he's wearing his big boy pants, and he wants people to respect him. And in his son's mind, because he thinks he knows better, his, he thinks nobody liked his dad, nobody respected his dad, and so he decides he needs to demand that the people respect him. And so he's trying to figure out how to do this, and he goes and he asks uh, his father's counselors for his advice, and they give him good advice. And then he goes to his bros, and they're throwing back a couple of, I don't know, whatever they drank back then, throwing back some glasses of wine, and, and he says, what do you guys think I should do? And they say, this is what you need to tell everybody. You need to tell everybody that you think it was tough serving under my father? I'm going to replace that, that nice and easy yoke that my father gave you. I'm going to replace it with a yoke that's going to crush you because my little pinky is bigger than my father's thigh. I'm so tough. I'm a man's man, right? And he beats his chest like a gorilla, right? How do you think that went? He ruined the kingdom. Everybody said, forget you. And they, the kingdom literally split over it because they said they're not following this idiot. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. Why? Because he wasn't teachable. You know, for the last however many years, there has been a global shift in Christianity. Do you know what that global shift is? The center of Christianity has slowly moved from the global north, what we used to refer to as the west, to the global south. In other words, all the places that were basically absent of Christianity, like China, a hundred years ago, now actually have a higher percentage of evangelical Christians than Europe and places like that. That we have seen a massive shift in Christianity. They say that Africa will have by far the most Christians in the world in the very near future. But we don't look at Africa and say that Africa is the center of Christianity. We continue to think that we are the center of Christianity, and maybe for the time being, we are. But here's what's interesting, and this is why I'm asking, are we teachable? Because what is beginning to happen in America is what the global South Church has been prospering through for a century. And so will we continue to think that we are the experts who will gain nothing from the church in China? Or will we learn from a church that not only survived, but exploded? Are we teachable? What is the Spirit saying to the church in America. Proverbs 15:31 The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. If you do listen, you will gain life and you will gain wisdom. So if you don't listen, you gain death. 
That's basically what Solomon said. But if you do listen, you will gain life and wisdom. See, in contrast to the scoffer who won't listen, a person who is willing to be taught, in other words, they literally have a listening ear, they will seek advice from the wise and will gain life. She will dwell among wise people. She will be eager to hear what they have to say. She will invite critique. She will encourage feedback. She will welcome coaching. Why? Because she realizes that reproof and correction and discipline are actually life-giving instead of life-crushing. Kids, again, I'm talking all the ninos, all the ninos in the house. Your parents aren't perfect. They're not perfect parents. But they do desire good things for you. Even terrible parents desire good things for their kids, though they may not know how to give them. They may, your parents may not always know how to communicate it, but they want you to have a good life. They want you to be productive members of society. They want you to love the Lord. They want you to have a spouse who's going to be good for you, and so on and so forth. Even bad parents want good things for their kids. And so kids, have a listening ear. Have a listening ear. Don't let your parents' correction go through one ear and out the other. Listen to their rebuke, even if it's not communicated perfectly. Listen to what your parents have to say, because the bottom line is they do know more than you as it pertains to wisdom, because wisdom is the application of knowledge, and it only comes with time. This is why Jesus invites us to dwell with him to remain with him, to abide with him, and he is the one greater than Solomon. He wants you to grow wise, obeying the knowledge that he imparts, the knowledge of the gospel. He wants you to bear fruit in your lives. That is wisdom. That's what he prays for. He desires. Matter of fact, he even dies so that you can obtain wisdom and be spiritually successful. Have a listening ear to what God is saying because his intentions for you are good. For a long time, churches in America have determined their game plan from the business world rather than the, world of God, the word of God. Where have we gone for our wisdom as churches? Is what churches are even doing and fighting for, is it biblical? I'm simply asking the question. Proverbs 15, 32. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself. But he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. Think about what Solomon just said. He said, the reason you don't listen is because you hate yourself. The reason you don't listen is because you hate yourself. You may be tempted to not listen to anyone because you think you know best, but the real reason for your stubbornness is self-hatred. In other words, you don't want what is good for yourself. 
That's a remarkable claim that Solomon just made. See, because the reality is that correction stinks in the moment. Nobody likes being corrected. I wish that I were right 100% of the time. It's a lot more enjoyable to be correct than it is to be wrong. But if you know that criticism and reproof lead to progress and growth, then you learn to welcome it despite the pain. If you keep getting a math problem wrong, you need someone to show you how to do it properly. And if you refuse to let someone show you, you will never learn. And you'll continually grow up thinking that 2 plus 2 is 5. It's 4, just so you guys know. I don't want to leave you hanging. If you ignore instruction, you do so to your own detriment. Only someone who hates himself would want to willfully embrace detriment. You guys following me? Do we love the church of God? You know, I don't think I actually loved the church. I don't mean revolve. I mean the church. I don't think I loved the church until I became a pastor. And so in all honesty, maybe some of you guys are just a lot more mature than I was which is possible, but I can honestly tell you, I don't think I loved the idea of what the church is until I became a pastor. And so I don't expect you to love it in the same capacity, though I hope that you do. Do we love the church of God or do we love our organizations? Do we love God's people or do we love churchianity? If we love the church, the people of God gathered together in a local place for worshiping the Lord, for the edif mutual edification of the saints, to remember the gospel as we practice the ordinances of communion and baptism, as we, as we pray and serve and give and minister and go on mission together, if we love the church, won't we do what is best for the church? Even if it isn't what's most comfortable or enjoyable? Do we love God's church or do we love our own personal Christianity? Do you even know the difference in what I'm asking? Will we be teachable? Proverbs 15:33. The fear of the Lord is instruction and wisdom, and humility comes before honor. You know, the root of a lack of teachability is a lack of humility. The root of a lack of teachability is a lack of humility. And a lack of humility infers or implies an excessive amounts, an excessive amount of pride and arrogance. And someone who is proud won't fear the Lord. And someone who doesn't fear the Lord will never receive the wisdom of God. To summarize all of it, not being teachable is a very real threat to you, to your family, to your marriage, to Revolve, to the church in Cape May County, to the church in America. 
the real threat actually to being unteachable is eternal. That might seem intense, but truly eternity is at risk because someone who refuses to acknowledge their sin will never acknowledge their need for a savior because you don't take a cure unless you think you're actually sick and you don't put on a parachute if you don't think the plane is actually crashing. Someone who refuses to be teachable won't bear any fruit that God wants them to bear because rather than listening to reproof, they will dig in their heels and do things their own way. Someone who refuses to be instructed will be prayerless because as we've said before, our prayerlessness is our declaration of independence from God. Someone who refuses to be teachable will be joyless because we truly only follow joy when we obey the instruction of the Lord. Someone who doesn't want to be teachable will be fruitless because Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing, and the way that seems right to you leads to death. If you think you know all the answers, then you will never ask God for help. And if you don't ask God for help, you won't see success that has eternal value though you can manufacture quite a bit of temporary success. If you don't run to Jesus in humility, taking his yoke upon you, you won't have joy and you won't have rest. And if you don't surrender to the Spirit, you won't bear his fruit. That's a real threat. What is the Spirit saying to revolve? What is the threat to us? What is the threat to churches in America? The threat of teachability, a lack of teachability. I can't help but think that while we clamor about the good old days, maybe we need to be quiet so we can have God tell us what we need to learn. That we're so focused on what is behind us that we are not prudently aware of what is inevitably on the horizon. Biblically, what is on the horizon. As explained in the prophetic word of God, what is on the horizon. Whether it's in one years, two years, 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, we know how the story ends. You realize that, right? It doesn't turn into sunshine and lollipops right away. Do we really think that the ship is going to turn back around? Because I don't. Persecution will come. The church will lose its privileges. When? I don't know. Might not happen in my lifetime. But the question is this. Will we be ready then? Will we be ready then because we prudently prepared today. Will we be ready then because we were willing to be instructed and we were like the sons of Issachar who knew the times and so they knew what to do? Some of you guys might remember Aesop's fable of the ant and the grasshopper. That the grasshopper basically squandered away the summer because he was busy playing his legs, I guess, singing, playing his legs. And the ant 
I mean, even Proverbs says, look to the ant, you sluggard. Learn a lesson, lazy person, from the ant who's going to have all that he needs in the time of, of difficulty, in the time of the winter. Well, what happens in the ant and the uh, grasshopper is the winter comes and the grasshopper is completely ill-prepared while the ant is sitting pretty on whatever ants eat, okay? Stuff he stole from a picnic. Will we be like the ant or will we be like the grasshopper? And so what do we do? First of all, I know I'm trying to be really general because I don't actually know what the Spirit is saying. And, the, and let me put it this way. Part of me feels very confident in what the Spirit is saying. And then I talk to other people who I love and respect and I feel like they're not hearing the same thing. And so am I being teachable and you can ask my wife that I've been praying that for weeks. Lord, make me teachable so that I don't just have this, you know, bulldog mentality where I think I have it figured out. As a church, we need to listen to the Spirit of God. I think that's going to begin when we humble ourselves and pray and actually stop talking, stop listening to all of the things that are going on, all of the white noise in our world, and actually ask God to instruct our hearts and turn to the word rather than the world. What do we do? This is what James says, which, by the way, James is New Testament wisdom. He says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. This is the warning. The warning is that God opposes you if you refuse to be instructed. Let that sink in. The warning, God opposes you. The all-consuming fire who flings planets into the sky, who will return with a tattoo on his leg, a sword in his mouth, and he will be drenched in blood, not the blood of his sacrifice, but the blood because he has trod the winepress of the wrath of God as he crushed his enemies, and he's in blood up to his chest. Opposes you. If you refuse to humble yourself. And so the invitation from the Lord is to submit to surrender, to humble yourself, to draw near, to cry over your sin because you don't have to fear him as a wrath-filled God because he gives more grace. So I want you to turn to your tables and I want you to look through those questions, pray about them, talk about them. But truly, let's ask the Lord over the next few weeks from now until even the end of 2020. Let's spend dedicated time in prayer, and the elders will talk about how we can actually make that more of a reality. Chat with your table. Thank you.